0: Scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world came into being through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to what was His own, and His own people did not accept Him. But to all who received Him, No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made Him known. May the Lord bless the reading of this living Word that has become flesh. And may the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to You, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Goodbye, 2020. Well, more like good riddance. That's about the strongest thing a preacher can say on Sunday morning in the pulpit. The dawning of a new year is always a day of shining optimism. It's a new beginning. A squeaky clean slate set before us unblemished by failure and disappointment. And we need that this year more than we ever felt like we've needed it before. Part of our cultural ritual every year on New Year's is to make resolutions. Hashtag, new year, new you. Organizing our closets, starting diets and exercise routines and meditation practices and saying, this will be the year that I, this will be the year that we, this will be the year that our family will You can fill in that blank. But we also hedge our bets because it's better to be lucky than good. In the South, we eat black-eyed peas and greens, and in the East, on Chinese New Year, fish and dumplings for luck and money. These traditions show us what we believe about the logic of life. If we only work hard and make good choices and perhaps catch a few lucky breaks, our lives will get better and better and better. But 25% of New Year's resolutions last just two weeks, and 80% are abandoned by the second week of February. You see, not fulfilling our resolutions is part of the tradition too. And that tells us something else about how we view our lives. When things get hard or when we fail, We usually just quit. Being the people we want to be, creating the world we want to see, especially when that means making real and lasting life change, it's hard. It takes patience and resilience and grit, but it also takes a broader vision. It takes being able to see gray in the black and white, good in the bad, small wins in our losses, and the path to success even in the middle of our failures. The truth is that progress is never perfect. It's always messier than we would like it to be. Our making and breaking resolutions, as silly or as significant as they might be, is a small window into the dualistic either-or thinking we struggle with. We believe that our lives should be onward and upward, not two steps forward and one step back. Or something like that. We believe that our lives should be all order and no chaos. We believe that our lives should be all light and no darkness. We even believe that we can avoid death. And when chaos and darkness and death come to us, we can begin to wonder if there is any logic to life at all. The good news on this first Sunday of 2021 is that though it might be hard to see, our lives are built on the logic of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being word in this passage does not simply mean a collection of letters written or spoken to communicate an idea, but how we translate the Greek word logos. In the Stoic philosophy of John's time, the logos was understood as the rational principle that held the universe together. In the Judaism of John's time, The Logos was seen as God's plan of creation that continued to govern every part of life that God created. But as one who had experienced the presence and the power of the resurrected Christ, John has something more to say. He tells us that Jesus was the Logos. That Jesus was the logic, the blueprint, the principle, the plan, and even the God through which all of creation came to be and through which all of creation continues to be. This is John's Christmas story. No angels or shepherds or wise men or baby in a manger. Not Jesus being born into the world, but the whole world being born through Jesus. John is telling us that the logic of our lives and the life of this world is not found in the optimism that says that everything is going to be all right or the realism that says that it is what it is, or the pessimism that says that nothing can be made right. The logic of life is that through Jesus, order comes from chaos. Light shines in the dark and new life emerges from death. Through Jesus, order comes from chaos. John begins his Gospel in the beginning to intentionally remind us of the poem that begins our Bibles and which inspired today's call to worship. Genesis 1, 1-2 reads, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void. Which in Hebrew can also be translated as the earth was Chaos. And though our tradition tells us that God created ex nihilo out of nothing, the text tells us that there were chaotic waters already there. And when I reread the story earlier this week, I noticed that God did not destroy the chaos, but actually used the chaos in creation. You would think that God would start from scratch, that God would eliminate the chaos before creating. But that is not God's logic. Instead, God's breath, God's wind, God's spirit hovers over the turbulent chaotic waters and separates them to create space for the sky. And God uses them again, separating them to create sea and dry land. And God creates plants and animals and even sea monsters to live in the chaotic waters. From this, we see that God's ordering presence can coexist with what we think of as chaos. And that's because God's Logos, God's logic for the universe was love. And for love to exist, there has to be freedom. And with freedom comes the possibility for chaos. As soon as God breathed into the dirt and made human beings in God's image and God's likeness, God subjected God's self to chaos. God made Himself vulnerable to the painful possibility of rejection that comes with every human relationship. And as soon as God gave humans the responsibility to subdue and have dominion over the earth and its creatures, to join Him in His love and care for the whole world, God gave up some control. God opened Himself to the possibility that what He had ordered would become disordered and that what He created would be destroyed. And that's exactly what happened. In a story that we wish wasn't in the Bible, God allowed the chaotic waters to destroy every life on earth except for Noah and his family and two of every living creature. God wanted to start over. But ultimately, even in God's pain and sadness and anger, He held on to us even as we brought more chaos and destruction into His life. John tells us that we see God's self-giving love in its fullest expression as the Word became flesh, as the pure logic of how life ought to be put on the chaos of how life really is. John tells us that the world that was created through Him did not know Him. That He came to what was His own and His own people did not accept Him. But John also says that Jesus loved them until the end. That Jesus loved them Until His end. Through Jesus, we see that light shines in the dark. The Genesis poem continues, In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And God's first words were, let there be light. But just as God's order did not destroy the chaos God's light did not take away the darkness. God actually uses the darkness separating the light and darkness into day and night. And without the darkness, we would not see the moon and the stars that God put in the sky. God allows darkness and light to coexist. And the psalmist wonders aloud if God even sees them as two separate things. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. And then John referring both to the light of Christ in the present and the light of Christ in the very beginning, he writes, the light shines in the darkness, Present, and the darkness did not overcome it in the past. When we look at Jesus' life, it sure does look like darkness overcame the light. Jesus' light was misunderstood and rejected and finally snuffed out even though it was mid, midday, the whole world went dark at the moment of His death and they put Him in that black hole of a tomb but the light was still shining unseen. And as the sun rose, the women found an empty tomb and an angel telling them He is risen. And in that, we see that life emerges from death. At the very beginning of his Gospel, John weaves together the creation story and the story of Jesus to tell us the true logic of life. Not the conventional wisdom about what it takes to live our best life. For our lives are not ultimately determined by hard work or good choices or even good luck or good Instagram filters. Our lives are ultimately determined by our ability to receive Jesus in whatever chaos or darkness or death we find right here and right now, what if we actually believe that? What if you actually believed that in the places that look and feel like chaos in your life, that Jesus was bringing order? Not that the chaos will go away altogether, but that Jesus is present with you in it. What if you believe that the places that seem darkest in your life? were the places that the light of Jesus was shining. Not that the darkness will go away, but that His light shines in your darkness. What if you believe that in the places of death in your life, in the places of your pain, in the places of your grief, that Jesus is bringing healing and new life? Not saving you or your loved one from death or what feels like death because Jesus didn't even save Himself from that, but meeting you or meeting them on the other side. You have believed all of this in 2020 because I've seen it in your lives. I've seen Jesus in your lives. I've seen you put on masks and gloves and gowns to give spiritual and physical care to COVID patients or in a hospital setting or medical setting where COVID might exist. I've seen you go the extra mile for students who struggle to stay engaged or don't seem to care. I've seen you spend holidays alone to protect yourself and your loved ones. I've seen you waving to your mom or your dad through a nursing home window or singing Christmas carols through the window at the top of your lungs to cheer a family mem- a church family member. I've seen you calling and texting and writing cards to encourage the lonely and the hurting. I've seen you putting one foot in front of the other as you walk the journey of grief. I've seen you carry signs and march in the streets for Rachel's justice that feels closer than ever, but also so far out of reach or read books and have conversations behind the scenes and grapple with what that means for you in the everyday details of your life. I've seen you make the sacrificial choice to stay home when you've wanted to be here, believing that your living room slash home office slash homeschool classroom could also be the place where God dwelled. I've seen you make the hopeful choice to show up and sit in the sadness of these empty pews until the rest of your church family can join you. I've seen you give your time and your money and your energy believing that God could bless the world through this little church family in this year of difficulty and uncertainty. And I know that that is only a glimpse of your faithfulness in this terrible year. There are so many other things that You have done that have gone unseen. So many other things that You have done that You don't even realize how significant that they are. You have been order in the chaos, light in the darkness, life and death, for me and for so many others whom You did not even know were looking. The Word has been made flesh in Your lives. May it continue to be so for us in this year. Because as Schuyler said in his prayer, there is no magic in those numbers changing from 2020 to 2021. When we look at our lives and when we look at our world in this year, we will still see chaos and darkness and death. But John's message is that we always need to look closer because Jesus is always there too. While it is true that as John says, no one has ever seen God, John also says that God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, has made Him known. Jesus has made God known and still makes God known. By coming to love us in the chaos and the darkness and the death, into empowering us to love each other in those same places. And that is the only logic that I can see in this often confusing and maddening and hard but very good life. Let us pray. Loving God, we don't understand why life is the way that it is. It can seem so cruel and senseless, so hard to navigate, but we have faith that the Word was made flesh and the Word continues to be flesh among us. That Jesus, who was close to your heart, is close to our hearts. That His heart continues to break with ours. And that though life is not easy, that life is the place where You come to love us. May we see beyond the surface of the chaos and the darkness and death that we see around us to the Jesus that is right beside us, often in each other, In all of this, we make our prayer in the name of Jesus, our brother and Christ, our Lord. Amen.